You're listening to The Dice Men Cometh, broadcast live to air on Edge Radio 99.3 FM and proudly sponsored by LFG Australia. The Dice Men Cometh! And welcome to The Dice Men Cometh. It is episode 302 of Australia and the Southern Hemisphere's leading board game, tabletop card game, role-playing game, virtual board game podcast as well. You know, you are joined by myself, Garth, my colleague, Mark. And myself, Mark. And, and is Leon. Leon, where are you? Are you here? Uh, I'm here. I'm here. I'm here. I'm here. I promise I'm awake. I have not been playing PlayStation for about 40 hours in the last 30 hours at all. I don't know what you're talking about. <laughs> It's, I'm definitely here with right, Dice Men Cometh, right? Board games and such, which we can't play at the moment. That's what we're doing. Absolutely. Well, you can't play them, but we can. Oh, okay. Well, that's fair enough. And it is, it's the day of awesomeness eve as well, I see on my phone. It sure is, Leon, because is there anything happening tomorrow that you need to tell all our listeners about? Yes, I'm eating three kilos of Nutella peanut butter cheesecake. And why is that, Leon? Because it's my birthday. Oh, happy Yay. birthday. Quarantine, not leaving the house birthday. Woo, woo. Shall we sing? Yes, I will be... Th- no, oh. no, we really won't. Happy uh, birthday to you. That's enough. I'll be That's 33 enough. years young, I think. Well, I, I, cheers, I, don't look, I don't look a day over 36, so that's the main thing. <laughs> So now that I'm awake and you two want to chat for some reason and want to entertain the people, what are we actually talking about this evening? Well, tonight we are going into space. Space! Apparently apparently we're going into space. We can barely go outside. Don't you think that's a little bit adventurous to go into space? Okay, we're going into virtual space, although... Mm. Mark and I have been to actual space because we have played this game both in real life in CanCon and in virtual life only last night again through the wonders of internet technology. And we are talking about a game that is also right at the top of the hotness at the moment. Uh, Die Crew. Die, Die Crew? D-Crew. Is that what happened? D-Crew. Oh, D-Crew. D-crew. How, about, how about we call it The Crew? Yeah. Yeah, that's better. Because almost everyone has only ever played the German copy, but there is the English reprint that is out uh, in dribs and drabs, and it's only available for pre-order most of the places in Australia. So we're going to start off with that because I'm sure we'll have a couple of things to say. Leon, you want to talk to us about another little card game that's coming out to Kickstarter any second now. Is that right? I certainly do. We were sent it quite lovingly by our... uh our country cousin, a lovely Kiwi over in New Zealand, he sent us a game and we're going to talk about it because it's a word game and you know how much I like me words. <laughs> exactly. You'll learn them soon. And then, Mark, you want to talk about something and, what, retract a few statements maybe? Yeah, well, it appears that I may have spoken rashly with regards to one of the virtual uh, board game simulators. So I want to set the record straight because uh, we have been using it a little bit lately. But then, as an added bonus, that competition that we spoke about last week, I'm going to talk about it again, and this time I'm going to launch it as if into space for the listeners to actually enter. That is fantastic. So, that's episode 302 for you of The Dice Men Cometh. We, of course, need to virtually thank our virtual sponsors who are, of course, LFG, Looking for Gamers, Everyone's favourite website, lfg-aus.com.au. Go there to check out all your tabletop needs. They are still plugging along, still selling board games. Mm. And like everyone, they've had to cut down on their physical in-store events for this coronavirus nonsense. But they are there for all things that are good and will ail you during this time. Now, which one's the hyphen? Is that the one next to the zero? Yes, it is. (laughs) Cool. Depends if you hold down, <laughs> hold down the shift key or not. Oh, so you have exactly. shift in the one next to the zero. That That's what we call a hyphen. No, no. If you do shift, that's underscore, I think, isn't it? Oh, okay. So, so no shift. Just listeners right. will work okay. it out. Excellent. Well, this is the red hot content that they tuned in for, so it makes sense. 
That's right. Definitely. Anyway, we are not on Edge Radio 99.3 FM, but we may well be by the uh, the wonders of internet technology and our good friends at Edge. And we're going to throw to a song. Who knows what it is right now. We'll be back soon. Hey, everyone. It's your angry neighbourhood, Scott, here. Are you sick of your friendly neighbourhood, Leon, popping up halfway through the podcast every time and asking you to jump onto Patreon? Well, you know how you can get rid of him. How about you actually contribute to Patreon? Personally, I like to feed a dice man once a year at LFG, and this year I'm planning on feeding all three. But quite frankly, if you don't appreciate the work that the dice men are doing, why you want this podcast at all? Why don't you chuck him a few dollars... It's as easy as giving a dollar a month. You won't even know it missing. And of course, you'll be supporting great broadcasting and Australian board gaming. Bye for now. Righto, that was somebody with something or some rather or possibly an ad on maybe Edge Radio 99.3 FM on maybe the Dice Men Cometh podcast. Actually, the second one will definitely be a thing. Right, so that was seamless. Thank you very much. I am awake. I don't know what you're all talking about. Mark, talk about things and stuff. Uh, yes, things nah, and Mark stuff. Mark doesn't know anything about stuff and things. I do. Oh, I Garth know. is doing the stuff and things. Yeah, um, I, I know that Garth is going to tell us about stuff and things. But before he does, you know what I do know about? I know about what? our sponsors, lfg-oz.com.au, that amazing little board game store in the sky, and also Canberra. Thank you so much for your loving sponsorship. If you're looking for games to be sent out to you at home while you're suffering through this isolation period, remember lfg-oz.com.au. Now, Garth. Hello. Take us into space. All right. So we are talking about the crew, the crew, die crew, some crew. The long name is, believe it or not, the crew, the quest for planet nine. Now... Before we get into why it's called The Crew, The Quest for Planet Nine, we'll start with what it actually is, because what it actually is, is one of Mark's favourite genres of game, a trick-taking game. This is going to be a trick-taking game for two to five players that plays each individual trick in maybe two minutes, maybe five minutes, maybe 10 minutes, maybe even 15 if it's a really tricky one. And it's a small box game designed by Thomas Singh, who has done pretty much nothing else. It is published by Cosmos and a few other publishers with the, the reprints into English. And this game has gone from ground control all the way up to Major Tom in a very short amount of time because it is hype trained to the max at the moment. Not helped by any small amount by one Tom Vassell who very recently in a video said that he's counting at a 2020 release, but if he was counting at a 2019 release when the German version came out, it would have been his game of the year. Wow. That's pretty amazing. Yes, game of the year. Interesting. So what is it? It's a cooperative trick-taking game, and that immediately already makes you go, what? A cooperative trick-taking game? I only want to play trick-taking games to feel smarter than my competitors and win all the tricks or lose all the tricks. But whatever I'm doing, it's exactly what I wanted to do with the cards in my hand. How can I do that cooperatively? Well, that's where this game throws a little bit of a spanner in the normal trick-taking games works by adding in missions. And this is where something approaching a theme i guess comes into this game because admittedly for me this game could be the cooperative trick-taking game the game about taking tricks altogether because apart from a bit of space manny art i don't really know that there's much of a theme here mark what do you reckon yeah look obviously they've tried a little bit with the missions where they talk about well, in this mission, you've lost communication or in this mission, one of the crew members is not well and you have to work out who it is. Or in this mission, we've got to fix this part of the ship, then this part of the ship, then this part of the ship. We've got to do things in a certain order. But you're right, really, it, it's very pasted on. It's, it's tricks and then it's you have to win a certain number of tricks or a certain type of tricks or they have to be done in a certain way. But hey, it's still fun and 
the captain is the man with the biggest rocket. Well, it is in the virtual copy. And the virtual copy, we are very lucky to have. So for anyone who happens to see any bit of video that we have in the recording, <laughs> the crew is a normal trick-taking game in that you've got four suits. The suits are imaginatively called green, blue, pink and yellow or orange. Mm -hmm. um, but there is also a fifth suit, which are the rockets, and they are the super suits. The four standard suits are going from number one through to nine and the rockets are going from one through to four. And just think of the rockets as always a trump. Leon. So there are four different kinds of cards that have pictures of people in suits, but the best suits are the cards that don't have pictures of suits on it. They have pictures of rockets on it. Correct, because it's all about space. And okay, while just... you can wear a suit on Earth, you can't wear a yes. rocket on Earth, can you? Well, tomorrow is my birthday, so I'll let you know. <laughs> so, look, in this game, um, you're going to start with a deck of 40 cards. They're going to be shuffled up and they're going to be distributed as evenly as possible to the, the two to five players. And then whoever has been given the biggest and most powerful card in the game, which is called the Four Rocket, um, they're going to be the mission leader for this particular mission. Now, as I say... It's made up of missions and there are 50 of them in the core base game. So that's pretty damn generous. All of those missions, while you can play them in any order you want to, you don't. You want to start in mission one and go as far as you can because it's going to be teaching you the mechanics of the game. It's also going to be sort of subconsciously teaching you some trick-taking skills that you might need because there's a fair few people who may no trick-taking. There's a fair few people who may not. There's a fair few people who may say they know trick-taking and they don't because they haven't played a, a lot of different versions of them. So mm. it's one of those genres where more practice is going to make you more better because there's a lot going on in, in this game. So in Mission 1, for example, all you're trying to do is get one person to win the one trick with the right card. It doesn't seem particularly challenging, but you're not going to be able to really control how the the person is determined to win the trick there's a, this little deck of cards and they're called the mission cards and there's 36 of those there is all of the four suits represented in the numbers one through to nine except the rockets they're shuffled up the top one comes off and the mission leader has to try and win a trick which has that particular card in it and that immediately is a little bit challenging because there's a lot going on and we haven't even talked about whether you can talk yet that's right, Garth. I think that is the most important thing in this game, which is there's no talking, which for us is very strange because we talk a lot playing through games. And mm. I would attribute that to the fact that maybe we've failed this in a few missions, perhaps. But um, yeah, I'm sure you're going to tell us all about the not talking, aren't you? Exactly right. So there is only a tiny bit of communication that you're allowed in this game, but the communication is very structured. You're all going to get a communication token and you're all going to have the ability at any point during the trick, at the start of a trick, at the end of a turn, basically anywhere except in the middle of a turn taking place, you can choose to take one of the cards from your hand, place it face up on the table so that it's open information, whatever card you've got, and using this little communication token, you will either put it on the top of the card to signify that the card you've tabled is the highest card you've got of that particular suit, or you're gonna put it at the bottom of the card to say it's the lowest number, or you're gonna put the communication token right in the middle of the card, and that's gonna say it's the only card in that suit that I have. And that's kind of the only bits of information that you can give, and that is also immediately a bit of a puzzle because you might be really wanting to communicate, oh, I've got the seven of yellow because that's important for this particular round, but I've also got the eight of yellow and I've got the three of yellow. So I can't communicate that I have the, the seven because it's not the highest or the smallest or the only one I've got. It adds a little puzzle within a puzzle. And that's just you figuring out your own hand, let alone trying to decipher what everyone else at the table is trying to pass on in terms of information with the cards that they have decided to table. It's really, really brain burny. Well, it can be, I guess. 
I think also as someone who's not a natural card counter, you sort of, you throw a spanner in the works because yes, we could all sit there and, you know, count cards in our head and that would be not much fun. You, I don't know about you, but I tend to find that as the tricks go, because I'm concentrating on various different things, I sort of forget or I sort of lose my spot. And I know, I know there's been a few blue cards and they've been mostly high, but did that five get played? Did the seven get played? Was there a four? I, that sort of lack of perfect information because you can't go back and check and you can't ask, hey, Garth, what was that last card you played? Because, <laughs> you know, you, you can't. You have to watch and see it. And if you miss it, that's sort of too bad. Exactly right. So, look, you do have to pay attention, Mark. I hate to tell you that. Um, <laughs> Damn it. But because it is it is cooperative, so while you can't go back and replay tricks that you've just um, you know flipped over the cards and put them away, um, you know, a little bit of communication here or there is not going to make or break it, especially when you're learning the game, I think. Mm. So how long does each game or mission, I should say, roughly take? Well, to give you an idea, mission one, as I say, you only have to win one trick. The right person has to win the right trick. If they're okay. dealt, say, for example, the mission card is I have to win the trick that contains the red three, sorry, pink three. And it just so happens I'm the mission leader and I happen to have the pink nine. I might play that straight away. And that's showing I've got the strongest nine of the, of the, the trick suit in my hand. So hopefully one of the other players just plays the, the card that I need to win. I win the trick because I've got the nine and that's the mission over and done with. So the first okay. couple are pretty easy. Now, the first one is you've just got to win. As I say, one trick. The next one, you've got to win two tricks. But then the third one introduces one of the first little wrinkles, which is that the tricks have to be won in a certain order. You've got three little tokens, you know, one, two, and three. And, and as you get further through the missions, four and five uh, numbered ones come out. And it just means that you've got to be able to complete tricks in a determined order. So, I might have to have a trick that comes uh, is one first. Then Leon, you might have to have a trick that's one. And then finally, Mark has to win an, another one. You've also got other things like um, where you aren't able to actually communicate with each other. You've got some reception dead spots, which means that instead of being able to place your communication token on the top, middle or bottom of the card, you can't. You can still place the card down face up so everyone sees it, but you can only put the token next to it. So no one really knows what it is you're exactly trying to communicate, but there's certainly some information out there that's going to help everyone at the table. That's again, just another little wrinkle that makes this game go, Oh, I'm using my brain now. Cause the reason I asked, because when I first heard about this game and how it worked, it reminded me of playing, uh, I believe it's fear the Friedman freeze game. Yep. And that game was a thing that people said, oh, you're going to play it. It's really interesting. And in that game, as you play through it, it essentially teaches you how to play it. However, I found it personally to be absolute garbage because <laughs> yes, it did teach you how to play it, but it literally played the game for you. You were just a group of people reading out what the cards and did exactly what it said. It didn't actually feel like I was playing the game at all. Whereas from what you've said, it actually feels like even though those missions might be quick and you're slowly learning the rules as you go along, it still does feel like you're playing a game by the sounds of it, which I believe would be a good thing because last time I checked when I play games, it's because I want to play games. I think the beauty of this one for me is, is not teaching you how to play the game because the game is just you're playing cards, tricks go around, highest card wins. You've got to follow suit. Like the, the rules are there right from the start, but how, it's teaching you by starting off slowly, it's teaching you how to communicate within a game where there's no communication. And so it starts you off where your communication is a little bit limited, then you've got a little bit more information, then all of a sudden it stops you again and it sort of resets the communication, then it introduces some other little variations. So it's all within the same rule set, whereas, as you said, fear is like, okay, now we've got this rule. It's almost like flux on steroids where it's just changing the rules all the time in this the rules are set but it's what's happening around the rules if you like that's changing the game each mission and because it gradually scales up the difficulty for me it just keeps you engaged the whole time and the the, the rounds go so quickly 
that it's not you you can never get bored exactly right and the the other good thing is that because you're not just focused on what you're doing you're constantly focused on what every other player is is doing and what mm. they're playing and what cards they've revealed as their their little bit of open information you you can't play it like mark and just forget what everyone has played you've really <laughs> got to pay attention to everything yeah. if you want to win now we played this with with great friends of the show richard and sarah last night online and we got up to about mission seven or eight before Mark fudged it for us and broke out our, <laughs> our record. But, you know, the great thing was we were able to, to get into a pretty good groove and, and play, geez, we ended up getting to mission nine or something in, in only, what, maybe an hour, hour and a bit yeah. of, of gaming and talking. So you've got to assume that the reason this game exists is because, you remember that game that you guys loved, um, The Mind? You remember that? <laughs> no. The game that you do absolutely love. Well, let's face yes. it, it came out and it was a big deal whether we had positive opinions of it or not. This Correct. to me sounds like someone's gone, the mind was a big deal. How about we make that but with an actual game happening around it? Is that kind of what this is? I do feel like as the game goes on from mission to mission, you do start to develop sort of this hive mind of the group where... Oh, Garth's always going to uh, communicate a low number or if Richard communicates a high number, generally that means he's got two or three others. Um, you know, you start to get a feel for how people are thinking. Obviously, you can't be consistent every time because it depends what cards you've been dealt. But you're, you're definitely right, Leon. I do feel like there is that element of mind connection in the group as it gets trickier and trickier. Well, that's Absolutely. a good thing because let's face it, you guys might not have liked it, but the idea behind the mind was a cool idea. It's just that it didn't actually amount to much. Whereas if this has actually taken that idea and run with it, good for them. Well, look, trick-taking is just a great simple game. And what I, I really like about this is you could teach this to non-gamers so, so easily. Mm. So as far as an introduction to, to trick-taking games, this is a really easy sell and it makes sense and you can talk about it. And then it's got the added bonus and also a, a really unique aspect of being cooperative so that you can kind of walk new gamers through it and go, well, look, this is how we were trying to get a structure to work. We want to get it to work like this because we need that person to win a trick with that card. And this is how we can make it all happen. Well, trick-taking games are nearly the perfect introductory games because I mean, along with something like, say, roll and write, they work because everyone knows how to roll dice because even when they were three years old and were given some sort of board game, or maybe not three because they'd probably choke on it, but five or six, <laughs> they know how to roll dice. Whereas trick-taking is essentially 99% of games you will play with a standard deck of playing cards are trick-taking games. So it makes sense that these games come out in more things. And things like No Thanks that we are big fans of, that's a trick-taking game and stuff like that. So it's a wonder there aren't bigger ones in our hobby, but with the buzz that this one's getting, I reckon it might become the this year's or maybe next year's once they get them out kind of roll and write bit of a boom maybe that people go, oh, that's right, these things work and they're easy to get people into. Let's start pumping them out. Yeah, I agree. Um, so yeah, look, you spot on. This one is something that I would love to play with my non-gaming friends. So I, I just want to keep playing. And, and I think we've already lined up trying to go through a few more missions with, with our good friends at a, at a future date. So look, we could talk about this game for a fair old while. I think it's pretty clear that Mark and I have a lot of positive things to say about this. Um, I was looking at it on, on a website here just to see, and it's, it's only going to be about $20 and change uh, when it's actually available in Australia. You can pre-order it now. So for something where to play the whole game, you're at least got to play it 50 times, and that's assuming that you win every particular mission the first go, which you won't. Mm -hmm. um, not to mention the fact that you could replay this time and time again because every time you play a mission the card order is going to be different. The mission order is going to be different. The places around the table is going to be different. So it's one of these things that you could play for almost eternity and not get the same game twice. Uh, I was just going to say that I think it's definitely the sort of game that you are going to want to introduce your gamer friends to it, your non-gamer friends to it, your D&D friends. Like you're going to want to play it with lots of different people to experience different ways. Because even though it's such a simple game, 
the interaction that it creates, the fun that it creates, the as you mentioned, Garth, the brain benderiness that it creates as it's building. And I'm saying this, we haven't even got out of the single digits of missions yet. God knows what's <laughs> going to happen when we get up in the 30s and 40s. Um, exactly. Yeah, it, it's a huge amount of fun in a simple box for a low price tag. You cannot go wrong with this. Correct. So there you go. That was the Dice Man's verdict on The Crew. Pretty strongly recommended. And if you are able to play it, Tabletop Simulator actually has it. And you can play for free once you have Tabletop Simulator. So look, thanks very much again to LFG for sponsoring. Thanks to Edge Radio 99.3 for having us not here tonight. And we will be back after this song. I'm so bored. This self-isolation is getting me down. I've even had to read every single rule book for every game that I own, even though I've got no one to play them with. And I'm possibly going to go down the Mark rabbit hole of playing solo games. Is this what I've become? <sighs> At least I'll uh, get off my ass and have a bit of a walk around. At least walk to the computer, I guess. Is there anything on the internet anymore? Wait a minute, what's this? TheCampaignerMagazine.com? You're telling me there's an Australian tabletop magazine that I can look at from the comfort of my own computer or can get delivered to me via the wonders of post? The Campaigner magazine is designed right here in Australia by Matt Lee. It is currently up to issue 31, although you might want to check out issue 25 for a beautiful cover photo. And this magazine features everything that you could ever possibly want to know about board gaming, role-playing, insider news and gossip, interviews with designers, publishers. And it's a really fascinating magazine to see what's going on in the world of tabletop gaming. So if you like the sound of that, and if you're listening to our podcast, you probably do, make sure you jump onto the campaignermagazine.com and check it all out. You can even get their back-ordered issues delivered straight to your computer or your postbox again. Now, if you are also a budding designer who's got the next great Kickstarter, the Campaigner magazine allows you to advertise in there as well. Their prices are really, really low, and the Dicemen Cometh also published uh, some advertising in there as well, which is great. So, look, jump onto thecampaignermagazine.com. It'll definitely alleviate any boredom you are feeling by being stuck in home. And you're guaranteed to have hours and hours of fun. And just remember, 31 issues, but the issue 25 is my personal favourite. Back to the show. And that was another great track from Edge Radio 99.3 FM. You are with the Diceman Cometh here on episode 302. We've heard all about taking tricks and going to space. Now, Leon, I believe you've got some words for us. I certainly do. I am all with the words and the vocabulary and the such, and also the grammar, as you can always tell. Now, as I just said before, trick-taking games, we feel like we could have more high-quality ones. So let's talk about essentially another trick-taking game, which brings in my favourite genre of games as well, word games. I'm a big fan of them. So we were luckily enough to be sent a copy of a game by a man named Matthew Threadgold. And the name of the game is Ketos. That is K-I-I-T-O-S. And do we know what that stands for, lads? We do. I'll, I'll say I don't, Leon. Okay. Thank you, Garth. That's how radio works, Mark. <laughs> it is Finnish for thank you. Ah, and we you're finished... Good. No, we haven't finished yet. There's a place called Finland, Mark. It's near where my wife is from. It's oh, kind it's, of in that ish area. It's the country yeah. where I quite long to be. Their mountains so lofty, their treetops so tall. Finland, yeah. Finland, Finland, Finland has it all. Yeah. I thought Finland was a conspiracy. I didn't think it existed. <laughs> <laughs> Something to that effect. However, uh, Matthew Threadgold is, well, he might be Finnish, but he is a Kiwi. He is from New Zealand. And he he also goes by his street name, Matty T. (laughs) I'm not going to call a grown man Matty T. Thank you very much. I tell you he does. I'm going to just call him Ketos guy. Now, anyway. (laughs) It's pretty wild out there in the Finnish hood. (laughs) 
This game, as of today, is on Kickstarter and is success- successful already. So just the idea of us talking about it has made a Kickstarter successful. That's the kind of power that we have around here. I bet he's saying kitos to us. Ah, I see. Because, Mark, because Mark, it means thank you in Finnish, you see. Are we finished? <sighs> anyway, <laughs> so this game... so. It is a small little word game between two and four p- players. On BGG, it says best with three. I think that's the only way we've played it so far, the three of us. And we've played it a couple of different times at the end of various different game nights. Uh, it says roughly 45 to 60 minutes. That is, of course, if you play the entire game and go through all the proper points and all the proper scoring. But it is one of those kind of cool games where you could just pick it up, have a crack, play a round or two and kind of be done with it. It's up to you how you want to go about it. So... What will you do in this game? Well, it's quite a simple, like I said, it's a trick-taking game. You want to get good points for you and negative points for other people. And you want to be doing that by creating words. So there's two different ways of playing this. In the base game of Ketos, what you're going to be doing is you're going to try and create a word and you're going to put down a letter from the cards in your hand that all have different letters on them. And what you want to be is the person that finishes the word. Because if you finish the word, you take the cards from the middle and they become positive points for you. However, you could specifically go, maybe I just kind of want to screw everybody else and try and put out a word that you've got the letters for, but they don't, even if it doesn't end up with you finishing it. I get it. Odd description. I get get it. it. I get it. You want to finish the word because it's a Finnish word. I think I'm finished. Thank you. How do we mute Mark on this one again? I forget. I'm not sure. All these this different is, apps, it gets confusing. This is why I be in control of the meeting, so you can't mute me. <laughs> yes. yes, that is why he be in control. So, like I said, with the game of Ketos, you're putting out the letters trying to spell a word. But the thing is, if I say come up with kangaroo and I put out a K, what if Garth doesn't have an A and he's the next in line? Well, he doesn't just fail straight away, sadly enough. What he then has to do is change the word, but then still keep the K and then add a new letter that he has in his hand. So the, the word will change as you go through the game. So, so I could play an O and make a kangaroo into a koala. You certainly could, Gar. And then Mark might not have another A, and we all go back and forth and around. And you keep doing that till somebody either finishes a word, which is great, they get the points, or somebody absolutely cannot think of a word can't think of anything they take the same cards from the middle except they go into their negative pile now since this is a word game as well much like you know your scrabble and your hardback your paperback which one's the good one of that again is it hardback that's the second one yes yes that's yep. the second one yes. i mean they're both great but it, yeah hard they're both good the yes one. but hardback is i think by far the better one yeah either way yes yeah, so the whole point is to you know just spell good words however you can challenge people because some people's vocabularies and word spelling ability might be different than others, i.e. me. <laughs> so you can challenge somebody whether they've spelt a word either correctly or if it's not a word at all. And that's as simple as picking up your phone and using an, an agreed upon search. Normally say a dictionary.com is the way to do it. And then you kind of say, I challenge that word. If it's in the dictionary, the person who put out the challenge, uh, they would take that challenge card. It'd become negative points for them. If the other person made up a word of some sort of flim-flam nonsense, they would get the card and it would go into their negative pile. So it's only a small thing, but just in case people don't start creating up weird words like, you know, shenanigans or something like that. Because we all well, know Don't you guys just carry word. around a, an approved Scrabble dictionary in your pockets like me? Yes, it's called Google and dictionary.com. Yeah. <laughs> there is also another way of playing this, which is called Super Ketos. Now, when you do that, there are various different abilities that you can activate each round which change up the game. But also what it does is that you don't have to play a word from start to finish like normal. You can put out a letter in the middle of a word and people could start building it either on the left or right and kind of go from there. So a bit more of an advanced variant, but it also gives you a few more options. And you keep doing that until somebody gets all the points and they win. Kitos! Where are you going from start to where? The end of the word. Oh No, it's finish. Just like the game. Yes, (laughs) either way. So that is the game. It is very simple. And like I said, it is one of those games you could pick it up and play a few rounds of or you could play the proper game of it and score it all and whatever have you. Um, But I need to mention my opinion on it because 
you know, I'm the one who's not good with the words and the whatnot. So I, you know, I, I represent probably a lot of the younger people out there these days, even though I'm not young at all, as tomorrow will attest. Absolutely. Um, but I enjoyed this game because it is rather simple and it is rather simple. It is rather casual. It's easy to kind of come up with words and I didn't really have much of a trouble with it. So I was expecting straight away to go, oh, word game. But it, you know, my worries were, were quickly dashed by that, which is good. Something I wanted to mention, and look, I'm not sure why, but we had a lot of trouble getting this game started. And I remember you and I, Garth, we had both read through the rule book. Yep. It just didn't click. And I don't know whether it's because it's... It's just a bit different or the layout of the rule book or what. And we did actually give a bit of feedback to Matthew. I think he's actually totally ignored us, but Hey, that's okay. Cause it's his game. I'm, I don't know whether that, that they've changed the layout of the book. Cause it just felt like the rule book seemed thick. I don't know why it seemed to have a lot of words in it. Uh, whether it was just the way that he explained how the game worked and that, I don't know, didn't, just didn't gel with this or what but that was yeah was the one thing for me that was an issue once we got past oh that's how it works then not a problem and i like you leon i really enjoyed it and i look i will give a plug to um the video by meeple university stella and tarrant they've got a little how to play what this game is about because it's up on kickstart at the moment video nice and short three or four minutes and they did a lot better job than us at explaining it. So check that out as well. Yeah, look, I just want to say the game is fun and quick. And it's one of those games that you can kind of just play until it stops being fun. So you play it for a couple of rounds or you play it for hours if, you, if you've got the, the right wordsmiths around you. Yes, I think you, you're right, Mark. The, the rule book did feel a lot wordier than it probably needed to be. It's quite simply play a card to continue the word that's going on or play a card to change the word that you're talking about. Whoever completes the word wins the word. Whoever can't complete it picks up the cards and has negative points. That's kind of it. So look, what's great to see as far as this Kickstarter is concerned is like we've talked about in the past, a really modest target. He's only going out to try and get $1,460 Australian. And he's done it on day one of the project. There's already 47 backers who've combined to make over 1600 bucks. So it's already funded on day one, which is fantastic for another little small box trick-taking game that's coming from our side of the hemisphere. It's excellent to see these games going to get out there and into the public space because this game deserves to be out there. Uh, also, I'd like to mention uh, in our copy and in the Kickstarter copy, you get these seasoning cards, which are just little variations. So it's almost like a mini expansion that comes in the game already which, hey, it's always great to have an expansion right from the start just to change it up a bit. But having said that, I sort of feel like you don't need to change it up too much because you're right. I think we've, both, we've all said now it's that sort of game where you don't necessarily have to play it till the end. You play it until it stops being fun and it might be two or three words at the start of the end of the night. Or you might want to play it for a couple of hours. Who knows? And just looking at the Kickstarter now, which launched, they have also done one thing which we always recommend on Kickstarter is that the price is absolutely reasonable. It is $22 Australian, which is Brilliant. exactly what I would happily pay. I mean, I'd pay 30 for a game like this yeah. um, for that kind of size. But $22, I'm guessing the shipping, I didn't have a chance to look at that. I'm guessing it would probably be seven or eight bucks, maybe a tenner. And according to the Kickstarter, it's looking to come out in, say, August now with what the world's going through at the moment. Who knows on that? But I would roughly <laughs> guess possibly by the end of the year, considering it is just kind of a deck of cards in a small box, and hopefully they've worked out the logistics of that. But good to see. If you back this game, you will get it. And if this sounds like something you're interested in too, I'm pretty sure you're going to enjoy it. Yeah, it's saying, uh, it's saying it's August, so, so let's hope it stacks somewhere near that. I mean, yeah, that'll be exciting. Uh, yeah, I just noticed it looks like it's $12 Kiwi uh, for the shipping. Which is about a tenner Australian. So like I said, yeah. about 30 bucks delivered to your front door. I, I have, I'm not happy with that at all. That's great. No, so good job to Maddie T for uh, getting this one out there. It is exceptional um, for a small little box game. So, yeah, pretty good to see that, that it's not just about Garfield Games and Shem Phillips from that couple of islands across from us. Now, we've just had two little card games that are uh, smashing it out of the park. 
how about we take another quick little break and uh, after this amazing track by someone awesome and come back and uh, finish off the show with something strong like, say, a competition? Oh, you said finish again. I get it. They said finish again. Yeah, you want oh. to Ketos off the show. <laughs> <laughs> okay, you're uh, at the Dice Cometh on Edge Radio 99.3 FM. Back soon. Hi, this is Shim from Garful Games, and you are listening to The Dice Men Cometh, a podcast about all things board game related. Brought to you by a pack of Australians, which, as we all know, aren't very good at sports, but are great at going on and on and on and on and on about anything that doesn't really matter, which is perfect for podcasts. And that was blah, 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 with blue, blah, blue on Edge Radio 99.3 FM with the Dice Men Cometh. Thank you very much to LFG for all your continuing sponsorship. Now, Mark, Gar. you owe us an apology. 300 episodes. He's finally apologizing to everyone. I, I don't want to, I don't want to apologize to you guys, but no. I do want to apologize probably firstly to the designers, the distributors, the producers of tabletop simulator. And secondly, to one of our amazing listeners whose name I'm going to find here and then Leon's going to edit this bit out. I'm just waiting. Nah. Post to pop oh, pro- up. Probably not. Two love dead air and they're talking over each other's stuff. Can't Gold. Oh, absolutely <laughs> spectacular. Hang on. Mm. Hang on. Hang on. Couple it with video on. of Mark looking at himself in a computer. It's just <laughs> champagne podcast uh, material. That certainly is. Final oh, Fantasy Seven remake's really good, by the way. <laughs> <laughs> And secondly, I want to apologise to uh, our listener who goes by the name of Agar Blob. That may not be his real name. But what he did point <laughs> out is that we did give Tabletop Simulator a little bit of short shrift in the last episode because we had been most recently playing on Tabletopia. But Garth, mm-hmm. we spent quite a few hours on the weekend playing Gloomhaven on Tabletop Simulator. And then as you mentioned earlier, we just spent some time last night playing The Crew Quest for Planet Nine. Is that its full name? On Tabletop Simulator as well. And we had a blast with both of those. And now that I've gotten used to the Tabletop Simulator interface, now I'm not so sure about Tabletopia, but they're not that different, I guess, is where I'm no, at No, they're, they're not that different. The main thing is the entry point. Tabletop Simulator is free. Mm. You can jump on and play hundreds and hundreds of games. I think over 800 games are on their library. And you can essentially play almost all of them for free. There are lots of them that are behind a paywall by having a silver or a gold membership. But you don't need that. You can play with them. Tabletop Simulator, which you get through Steam, you've got to pay it to even give it a crack, and the normal price is about 25 bucks. You just said Tabletop Simulator twice, Garth. The first one you were talking about was Tabletopia. Tabletopia. Okay. So now you're talking Tabletopia. about Tabletop Simulator, which is on there Steam. We go. So, there we go. Yes, Tabletopia, 800 games potentially for free, plus a monthly subscription if you want to go down that path. Yes, tabletop simulator. Man. Standard price about twenty five bucks just for some software. What? It's not mm. Microsoft Excel. <laughs> and then yes, there yeah. are plenty of games where you still might have to buy them. But yeah. there's also plenty of games that you don't have to now, which is great. Yeah, and I look. I think one of the things about tabletop simulator is most of the games, the actual content, well certainly a lot of them has been produced by the producers of the game and uploaded to tabletop simulator. So they're using all the genuine art and everything like that. And they do look really great. Whereas I think in tabletopia, some of the games are like that. Some of them have been designed by fans. I'm not sure. Both of them certainly have downloadable content that you have to pay for where companies like Stonemaier games are offering all their games pretty much on both but they're all payable DLC. Yeah, exactly right. And look, it's, it's great that these things exist because they're a logical progression in today's board gaming design. 
where the designer might live in one corner of the world, the artist is living in the other one, and the playtesters live all over the world. So they've got to create these virtual versions so that they can just get through the process of creating a game. Now it's taken the next step, which is just allowing us average people to be able to play them from the comfort of our own self-isolation. Yeah, and I do remember um, Ian O'Toole telling us that he and Vital Lacerda used, I'm pretty sure it was Tabletop Simulator, um, often in the development of some of those amazing-looking Vital and Ian O'Toole games, and also playtesting with people all around the world. So, yeah, the, the, the designers and developers definitely making use of these tools, of that for sure. Uh, Leon? Well, it is one of those things, as you say, that one of them is free, one of them costs money. However, the money that you pay into Tabletop Simulator, you get back in return in a sense that it is so much more of a quality product. Tabletopia is fine, no issues with it at all. But Tabletop Simulator, for that small price, which as of this recording is half price, which is mm. like fourteen ninety five, And if it's anything like Steam, it'll probably be half price every other week or every other day, <laughs> normally the way specials work on there. Um, you absolutely get, you can tell the quality as soon as it boots up and you can see the games that are on there. So it is worth it in the long run. And what's, you know, again, what's 30 bucks for something that you could spend, once you spend that and play hours with a few friends, you've made your money back and then you get to do it for hundreds and hundreds of hours more. And the one uh, thing in Tabletop Simulator that I love, you can do a virtual table flip where you flip you flip the virtual table and the pieces go everywhere. Uh, but don't try it in the middle of a Gloomhaven game, okay? No, Just trust me no on that one. Mark. Yeah, so look, I mean, the great thing is it does set up in a game like Gloomhaven that Mark and myself and friend of the show, Bo, played for about five hours, maybe six hours on the weekend. It just means that you arguably don't need the physical copy ever again. It's just so easy to play and so quick. And once you've done your initial setting up of your characters, you just do not need to open the box again. It is like you're right there. It's going to be hard to convince us to, to get the, the box game out again, even when we're allowed to play around the same table again. Uh, now, just before we move on, I do have one final apology. I have an apology to all the listeners who by now are fuming at Leon for saying that Ketos was a trick-taking game, when in fact, a trick-taking game by definition is a game in which play of the hand centers on a series of finite rounds or units of play called tricks, which are each evaluated to determine the winner of said trick. So each person plays a card, and then you determine a winner. Then each person plays a card again, and you determine a winner. Ketos is not really like... I can see what you, see what you were where you were. I'd absolutely debate that it's borderline. That's for sure. Oh, well, let's throw it open to the listeners. What do you think? Is Ketos a trick-taking game? We'll hear your opinion in the comments below. Exactly. All right. <laughs> well, we've got to wrap this one up. But Mark, you need to launch some kind of thing again, don't you? I'm going to launch you into the sun. Sure. No, or I'm going to launch. Desert? I'm going to launch our new competition. We teased it last week where we've been generously gifted some games shrink wrapped and fully COVID-19 what's the word I'm looking for uh, safe Proof? yes safe um, well, I can't I guarantee that because it is right here with me you can see the reflection on the shrink and you certainly can't tell that I may or may not have licked it <laughs> <laughs> anyway, we've got a, a, a few games to give away for people stuck at home. The first of which is, as Garth just held up, if we ever publish the video of this, mostly unlikely, Western Legends, that sandbox cowboy Western shoot 'em up game. Leon, you and I played it at PAX and had a ball with it. You loved it so much you went straight out and bought it and all the expansions. I certainly did, and I've played it a couple of times since then, and I really, really enjoy it. So we're not giving away a small box game here. We're no. giving away a game that you could play for years to come with many people in many different ways, and it changes every time because, as you said, it's a sandbox. You're out there rooting and tooting and shooting and whatnot. Now we don't... <laughs> And it is, the first, it is the first of several yes. games that we'll be able to give away, which is great because they're all up over there. <laughs> yes, over there. 
They are. And we do not want to muck around with this. So we want to turn this around in uh, a week, maybe two at the maximum, but we want you to enter straight away as soon as you're listening. We're recording this, believe it or not, on Tuesday. Probably going to go up in the next couple of days. But let's, uh, let's give you a week from Thursday. Okay. Uh, mm-hmm. So we're going to close it off. What we want you to do, it's a cowboy game, a Western game. We want you to send us a photo to our email address, dicemencometh at gmail.com, of you cosplaying as a cowboy, cosplaying as a Native American, cosplaying as a bank robber, or, you know, just put a hat on or pretend you've got a gun in your hand. <laughs> Anything. Or cow- just sit at, sit at a table and have a sarsaparilla. Or, yeah, that's right. Anything or some related. Yes. Anything absolutely at all. We understand that a lot of people are at home <laughs> and absolutely can't leave the house. So creativity is very much um, encouraged. Because Surely a lot of people injuries. would be walking around the streets with the masks like banditos, though. Oh, Isn't yeah. that just taking safety uh, precautions? Possibly. It's hard to say. But either way, we want lots of people to enter because this is a hell of a prize. We're sending you a game well worth over $100 quite happily to your front door. And this is why you come to Tuco. Click. So um, there no. you go. If, <laughs> if you have the ability to make yourself look like a cowboy, a cow girl, a cow person, or anything related to the Western, please make sure you email it to dicemencometh at gmail.com. The quicker the better, because as Mark says, this competition is only going to be around for a week or so. And no poking any actual cows, you cow pokes. Okay. Yes. I, I think that's about does it for another fantastic week. I've been Mark. Absolutely. I've been Garth. I've been the last time Leon is only 32 years old. Oh, and anyway, Leon, we've kept you up long enough. You need to go and get some sleep before you fight fantasy again. Is that right? I'm going straight back to my PlayStation where I've been all week. (laughs) Awesome. Thank you so much for joining us, everyone. Um, We'll get this episode out nice and quickly for you. And stay safe at home. Stay 1.5 metres away from everyone and stay well and we will talk to you again soon. Bye. We'll speak to you next week. Bye. Oh, yeah. You've been listening to another episode of The Dice Men Cometh, proudly brought to you by LFG Australia. Be sure to check out lfg-oz.com.au for all the details of their flagship events, LFG Sydney and LFG SN Unplugged, as well as their online and physical retail store. You can find us at dicemencometh.com or on Instagram, Facebook or Twitter. And don't forget, you can support us on Patreon too. Thanks for listening.